Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello, hello, my loves. Welcome back to another episode of Aligned Attraction. Today, I have the great, delightful honor of being joined by a new friend and sister in my life that I had the great pleasure of being introduced to by Heather, a woman that was also on this podcast. And today, I am speaking with Megan Taylor Morrison. And I'm super excited for this conversation. Before we dive in, I'll give you a a quick intro of who she is, though you will quickly hear and feel that she is so much more than words in a bio. So Megan is a professional certified coach, certified Wim Hof method instructor and co-founder of the Zenith Coaching Institute. Meg supports entrepreneurs, teams, and executives around the world in honing their leadership skills, clarifying their vision and goals, increasing emotional intelligence, improving resilience, and otherwise building the skills required to achieve sustainable success. She's trained with Accomplishment Coaching, the Coactive Training Institute, the Strozzi Institute, and the Authentic Revolution. And she also completed an 18-month private mentorship with an executive coach in Silicon Valley. Fun fact, she has lived in five countries, Madagascar, Kenya, France, Australia, and the Dominican Republic. And when she's not coaching, you can find her competing internationally in the Lindy Hop, which is the original form of swing dancing. She's like such a dynamic woman you are. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Delighted to be here. Yay. So when I first was talking to Heather, who was another woman on the podcast that I met through this amazing women's circle here in Austin, she said to me, you know what? I just have this inkling that you have to be connected to my friend, Meg. Mm -hmm. She's so cool, first of all. And second of all, she did this thing called self-marriage. And as the term implies, I I drew some conclusions about what that meant. And I was like, okay, first of all, that's so fucking rad. Who has done (laughs) self-marriage? Yeah. Yeah. She had a a whole ceremony. She invited people, the whole bit. So let me hand it over to you. Tell tell us a little bit about what self-marriage is and what even prompted this idea and you making a huge ceremony out of it. Yeah. Self-marriage is a ritual for radical self-love, which is something that I feel like a lot of women could use more of. And even, you know, even me, I married myself and I still regularly have to check back in with self-love and how it's going because it really is the core of so much of what we want to create in the world and how we want to feel on a daily basis. So self-marriage is the opportunity to dedicate time and space and resources to going deeper with self-love than I ever had before. And to give my friends and community a chance to witness that so that we were, I was then in the experience with community 
which is so nice because the days that I forget about self-love, they're there to remind me. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. So I I have to ask because self-love is a pretty widely used term these days, more than it ever has been. Thank goodness. What does that mean to you? I I think it's so easy to use the word, but on, on a deep level, what does that mean to you? And how do you know that you are embodying self-love? I know that I'm embodying self-love when my self-talk sounds like my talk to my best friend. Oh, super simple. Super simple. Yeah. I mean, we think about the ways that we address ourselves when we drop the ball or we disappoint ourselves. And we would never say that to anyone else. No way, not in a million years. We wouldn't have any friends, right? And yet we say those things to ourselves all the time. So it's just so simple. If you talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend, your self-love is on point. Mm. Okay. So now I have to ask, how, how do you talk to your best friend? So let's go across an array of scenarios. Um, one being she's, she's really having a hard time with something and she needs support. Two being she's asking for really honest and clear feedback. And three being you see her in a pattern that might not be super helpful for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And you notice it, but maybe she's not picking up on the fact that she's playing out a pattern that might not be in her highest good. Yeah. So let's start. I heard support, feedback, and negative patterns. So uh, tell me again what the scenario for the first one. So she comes to you and there's something heavy on her heart. Maybe Mm -hmm. she just ended a relationship with someone. She's having a hard time at work or financially something that she feels a lot of shame around. Yeah. That's such an important word. Shame. You know, I think I would say, sweetheart, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. And what can we do to support you right now? Mm -hmm. And I would really listen. Oh, listen for what she said. And then we would do that. (laughs) Like no judgment, no hedging, no. Okay. That's nice that you need that. Let's do it tomorrow. No, we would do it then. Mm, I love that. I love, I love the emphasis on like, we would actually do it. What she says she needs, you would do and you would Mm -hmm. listen deeply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second scenario Uh, build it out for me again. Feedback. What does that mean? So she comes to you and she's asking you, Hey, you know, I'm working on something. I'd really love your feedback or, Hey, you know what? I see myself playing out a pattern and I keep attracting emotionally unavailable men. Is there something that I'm not seeing? Can you give me some feedback on how I'm showing up? Yeah. Well, first I would assume the best, right? Positive regard all the time. And I would bring curiosity to it. I wouldn't automatically assume the worst. So I think about when I'm like, oh, I'm working on a project and something's not working. When I'm in my negative self-talk, I'm like, I am bad and wrong. Something is wrong with me fundamentally. It's not this project, it's me. Versus, okay, if I am playing this infinite game of success, I want to have success over the long term. Let's look at what's working and not working. Let's stick to the facts. And then let's try something and celebrate that we're even doing this. So I would bring that sort of elevation and joy and curiosity to the conversation. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay. And the third scenario is you see her in a pattern 
something that she keeps doing over and over again. She may or may not be aware of it. You're aware of it. Mm-hmm. How do you bring that to her attention? Do you bring that to her attention? Yeah. And I think the the keyword here is again, curiosity, like, oh, I see you're doing that thing that you do sometimes. How are you? How's your heart? Mm. What's happening for you? Mm. And not assuming that it's so easy to, we associate ourselves with a negative pattern. It's just who we are versus saying, what is happening in my life? Like, what's the self-care that I need to do in order to identify this negative pattern and move through it? Because it's really oftentimes just a cry for help, right? It's like, I'm under-resourced. And so this thing is happening. How do I get resourced and move forward? Because who I am is a badass woman out in the world, right? So what's missing? Let's find out and give it to give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think you hit on something key there, which is our behavior is, you know, downstream of what's happening inside something that we're feeling or experiencing something that we're needing that we're not getting. Yeah. And so when we go to the root and we ask, okay, what's, what's happening inside? How might we be feeling that's causing us to say this thing, do this thing, not do this thing. Right. Right. Because it's not who we are. It's something that we do when we're really run down or under-resourced. And so, yeah, assuming, assuming the best about ourselves and assuming relating to ourselves as badass women is so important. Yes. Yes. I have so much to say about that. (laughs) Okay. So you tell us now, take us back to the scene. Let's see. Take us back to the moment when you decided that you were going to host a self-marriage ritual for yourself. Like, How did that decision come to be? And then how did you proceed all the way to making this a thing that people, that your community was in witness of? Yeah. I don't think there was a specific moment. What happened was I was dating, I dated my former partner for a very long time and we decided to part ways. And after a relationship, especially a long relationship, there's certain there's certain ways that you have to rediscover yourself, refine who you are, redefine who you are sometimes and wonder who who am I now as a woman, a single woman? after two, three, four, five years of being in partnership with someone else. And it was a tough breakup for me. And I wanted to put a stake in the ground as in like, from this moment moving forward, this is a version of myself that I am stepping into that's better than ever, that loves herself even more, that's taken all the lessons that she's learned from not just this relationship, but past relationships and is going to apply them and show up for whatever's next with fortitude, grace, brilliance more than ever. So I'm a go-getter. And when I decide something is going to happen, (laughs) most of the time it happens. Like, and I, I really go all out because if it's really a celebration of us, it should, it deserves attention. So I remember the one thing I knew I wanted was the cake (laughs) and I have a whole marriage Pinterest board and I always just dreamed of this cake. It was like a couple tiers covered in spun sugar and there were two little pumpkins on top because I've always wanted to get married on Halloween or in the fall. So I did my self-marriage in the fall and I had this cake made and I sent out digital invitations. And I also chose a time when I knew a lot of my community would be in a specific place. I married myself in Boulder, Colorado. 
And, uh, and I was just so excited about it. And I brought it with such excitement that other people got excited about it. And I brought it with a lot of vulnerability. I shared why I was doing it, what I hoped to get out of it, why it felt vulnerable for me and why I wanted each person there. I want you there because, you know, you've seen me go through so much and you know who I am and you always remind me of who I am. Or I want you there because I want you to walk me down the aisle. Like you're one of my closest people right now. So I really tailored the invitations to the people that I wanted to be there the most. Mm. And I've got awesome friends. So they were all on board. Oh my gosh. I felt emotion well up a few times as you shared that. I think, you know, what what speaks so deeply to me as you shared that is the level of care that you really embodied for yourself. And that was infused into every invitation that went out. I have no doubt that as each friend received the invitation, they felt so deeply seen and recognized by you and so invited into a very significant rite of passage. And I also love that you said fortitude, grace, and brilliance as, as words to describe yourself, which it really speaks to this almost paradoxical, but very dynamic strength and vulnerability and softness and like go-getterness that I I very much know you to embody. And I would love to hear, because now I'm curious, and, and I would imagine some of the women listening are curious, was there any trepidation in creating an entire day about you where you are the spotlight and you are inviting everyone to come see you? Like, What was that like for you internally? And how did you navigate that if that even felt challenging? It did feel challenging. And because it felt so challenging, there were certain people that I chose not to invite because I didn't think they would bring the energy. And I think fear is contagious. So for instance, I didn't tell my immediate family about it, like my mom, my dad, my brother, not because I didn't think they'd support me, but because I thought their initial reaction might be negative and that they'd need to sit with it before they understood it. And they might need to hear about it before they understood it. And I didn't want any of their fear or people going to think you're selfish to get onto me because I was already on the brink of maybe I just shouldn't do this. Wow. It's incredibly vulnerable to have a self-marriage. So I am not one to want to be in the spotlight. In conversations, I'm typically the one asking questions. And I went into the profession of coaching for a reason, right? I like to ask other people questions, get to know them. Before that, I was a journalist. I asked other people questions. So it did feel edgy. And that's why we do it. Mm. I don't know. Typically, most of us walk around and maybe we think about ourselves because we're hungry. Oh, I got to eat. I got to go to the gym and work out. But how, how many times have we dedicated an entire day to ourselves, our wants, our desires, it doesn't, I don't know that it had happened to me before that. So I knew that it would be uncomfortable and that's part of why I chose it. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So I've, I have so many questions. <laughs> As you chose this for yourself, what were some of the biggest things you learned by virtue of stepping into a space that felt very uncomfortable and edgy for you? Hmm. 
The first thing was I learned my capacity for self-focus and the predictable patterns and self-talk that comes up when I give myself that level of self-love. So, oh, it becomes very predictable that I feel like a burden. After maybe an hour, I can plan my self-marriage for an hour. And then I'm like, oh, this is a little too much, right? So, oh, next time I do it, I wonder if I can play with this for 90 minutes. Like, can I like savor this as much as possible? And can I expand my capacity to savor self-care and self-love so that I can be filling my own cup more often so that I have more to give others? Hmm. I also learned, what else? I mean, there's so many lessons. I feel like I could get on a big soapbox around learning about how this should really be part of education, even when we're younger. Like, can you imagine, I write about this in my book, Self-Marriage. Like, can you imagine if there was a high school course where your only job was to identify things that you truly loved, no one else could have an opinion about them. You couldn't tell anybody else what you were doing, right? And you had to go out on self-dates and just make yourself happy and then reflect on it. Like that would completely change the game. And yet we're not taught how to do it. And so it was really a, a process of teaching myself how to love myself, what I love when no one else is around with an opinion and what it feels like to like give myself that much attention. Mm. Yeah. I agree with you. If we were taught this at all, ever, the world would be a radically different place. So different. Yeah. I know. I imagine levels of codependence would be way down. I imagine people would have completely different careers I imagine that self-esteem would go through the roof. And what sort of society would that be like to live in? I mean, could you imagine the art and the music and the expression, right? Of a society who feels deeply grounded in who they are, deeply authentic. I mean, yeah. Most people would be artists on some level, even if they just make pies, you know, people would feel this urge to express themselves and then to like validate that and be like, that you know, that first pie was awful, but we had so much fun. So let's do it again. Right. Like this getting over the hurdle of being bad at something, those hurdles would be so much smaller because we'd just be enjoying ourselves and doing the things that brought us joy such that we're lit up human beings in the world that go around giving other people joy. It's a beautiful thing. It truly is. It truly is. Okay. So back to the day of the wedding. Yes. Was this like a typical wedding? Did did somebody marry you? It's, there was a cake. Were you wearing a dress? It sounds like somebody walked you down the aisle. How much like a typical wedding was this? How much? It, it was not. It was very different than how I imagine my future wedding to a partner will be. Uh-huh. And it had a lot of things in common with weddings. When, yeah. Know, just any, any wedding. So I had a cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was made by a professional baker. Um. It was also like a lot of real wedding cakes, pretty mediocre. (laughs) Once we've been in, we're like, oh, this cake looked nice, but doesn't taste that good. Um, I had witnesses. I had someone be the master of ceremonies. Sarah Ness, who you'll interview for other purposes, was my Mm -hmm. master of ceremonies. One of my best friends walked me down the aisle and we did some things that were tongue in cheek and just fun. So when I walked down the aisle, everyone played kazoos to here comes the bride just to like, it was fun. You know, we like this day didn't have to be so serious. Like self-love is sometimes serious and sometimes really playful. So people had kazoos. Um, and we ended, uh, we ended with champagne and we ordered Thai food 
and it was it was great. So it did have some things in common. We also had just general connection games and people came from all over the country to come to my self-marriage. So that felt nice too, because friends of mine who had never met had the chance to meet and connect and fall in love with each other. Wow. Wow. I am like in awe of the opportunity that other people got to have because you said yes to such a creating such a unique experience for yourself. Hmm. And the experience that other people got to have on behalf of that, whether it's meeting someone that they are now friends with, witnessing you in this deep act of self-devotion, in this edge pushing, in your vows. Like I cannot even imagine what it would like, what what it would have been like to be there as a witness to Mm. such a spectacular event. Oh yeah. I did a lot of crying. Other people cried. When I read my vows, I had a mirror. I read it in a mirror and then I kissed the mirror. That was a great moment. I still have the mirror. It's on my wall with my lips still on it. So it's a great thing to look at. And yeah, it was truly a gift for everyone. And I say that not out of hubris, but out of the feedback that I got from the people that attended. And, you know, how else are you going to spend a Saturday afternoon? Like, going to go to the movies? You're going to go to Like, it's pretty darn uplifting to go to a self-marriage ceremony and get free mediocre cake. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So now... One, we have to hear your vows since yep. you mentioned them. Yeah. And I had another question that it'll come back to me. So would you be open to sharing your vows with us? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I'll pull them up. I think vows are one of the most interesting parts of self-marriage. As a follow-up book to the self-marriage book that I wrote, I think I'm probably going to publish a book of vows because I had all the women that I interviewed for that book send me their vows and they're quite beautiful. So For those of you who are listening and consider self-marriage, the vows seem to be the linchpin. I guess like they are in any marriage. But writing a love letter to yourself is a whole other level of self-devotion. And reading it to yourself, you really get present in a way that I was never present to, that I am the only person that goes through this life with me, the only one, really. And that how important it is to reconcile, not just reconcile, but truly love and appreciate your version of you. You know, people say after you've married someone else for years, it's like just a really good friendship, you know, and there is of course some like romance and physicality, but it's like, do we have that sort of friendship with ourselves? Are we practicing it here now, whether we end up marrying someone else or not? So without further ado, uh, I'll read you the vows that I, I procrastinated on until the morning of the wedding and then, (laughs) then found my voice. Um, here we go. Megan, you are a beautiful, whimsical, intelligent, wild, and utterly magnificent creature. I am beyond thrilled that I get to spend my life with you. You bring joy to even mundane tasks, love so deeply, and can see the good in people and situations. I remember one of the first moments I fell in love with you and your lust for life. You were eight years old and on a trip into the Sierra Nevada mountains. Looking into the rearview mirror, you noticed how clear and green your eyes were. I'm happy here, you thought. 
This might have been one of the first times you felt your intuition and were able to put what you felt into words. When dad stopped the car for a break, you wandered into the forest nearby and pretended you were on an expedition. It was thrilling and adventurous. You knew at that moment you wanted to be a photojournalist and live in the mountains. Your intentions are powerful. You went on to become a photojournalist and to spend time with many mountains. You've since listened to your intuition and followed it to great success, despite what others thought or said. My wish for us is to continue our journey of self-love and self-actualization, to go beyond people-pleasing and create a life perfectly aligned with our values. Let's stay wild. I promise I will continue to love you, choose to love you in the difficult moments, and cultivate my relationship with you so that it becomes richer, deeper, more fun, and more kind. In sickness and in health, for better or for worse, in every moment, we're in this together. I'm grateful to have you as my partner on this wild ride called life. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, even reading it now, it's. It makes me reconsider. I was thinking about my life from different angles and I was like, oh, need to revisit this, need to find more self-love in this area. Like we should all have this letter to ourselves. Yeah. What was it like reading it just now? When was the last time you'd even read your vows? I probably read them on my one-year anniversary, which was in 2021. And I was delinquent on my anniversary this past year. I'm not going to lie. Like I was, I wish I'd taken time to celebrate it and I will this coming year. Um, But it's a reminder to me that we really, like we have to take care of ourselves in every moment. Like I've been feeling some stagnation in parts of my life and feeling stuck. And as I was reading that, I was like, oh, we just gotta, we gotta take care of ourselves, girl. Like we gotta get moving in that area. And the self-talk was kind versus Mm. how it's felt in like recent weeks where it was, it was more negative and more grating and more like we're stuck, you know, whatever. So it, it brings levity and kindness and possibility possibility and it it helps you re-examine so most a lot of the women i interviewed for the book on self-marriage said the same thing they try to read their vows once a year Mm. and i find that whenever i read them i get great perspective and it's just such a blessing i can imagine wow and it sounds like there are other women that you've connected with around the world who've also created a similar ceremony for themselves. Yeah. Dozens, dozens of women all over. I talked to one woman who married herself in Uganda. I talked to one woman who married herself multiple in Australia and all across the United States. And, you know, it's really, uh, not an uncommon phenomenon. Like I met a woman that has married thousands of people to themselves. So yeah. Yeah. And men do it too. I interviewed two men for the book that have married themselves and, Without a doubt, people say that it is one of the more pivotal rituals that they have ever experienced. And most of these people are personal development junkies. So we've done rituals before. You know, I'm I'm struck with emotion and delight at the the concept of this. And also realizing that, especially here in the West, we really 
lose a lot of our rites of passage that were once very deeply sewn into the fabric of, you know, our indigenous ancestors. And so we've we've lost a lot of rites of passage or they've become kind of commercialized. Yeah. Um, whether that's like a sweet 16 and it becomes more of a party than a woman's rite of passage or something like that. And this is such a beautiful way to create a rite of passage for ourselves, a passing from one time and space into another where we decide to leave certain things behind and take on new qualities or commitments for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, these these kinds of things add so much meaning and richness and zest to our lives in, yeah. you know, a reality that can otherwise feel mundane sometimes. Absolutely. And we have to remember that as you're preparing for a ritual like anything else, this takes up your time. And so it's the sort of thing where if you'd like to really dedicate a few months to increasing your awareness of self-love, to spending time with yourself in a loving capacity, to have a deadline of a self-marriage is a really beautiful opportunity. Where as you're writing your vows, you're thinking about self-love, as you're thinking about the details of the self-marriage, you're calling in more self-love and choosing to do it from a self-loving place. So oftentimes, especially in the West, like we need a deadline for things. We can't just be like, I'm going to fix my self-love, right? We need something to work towards. And this gives you that thing to work toward. I love that. There's a very practical aspect of it too. Okay. So now I must know from the time of your self-marriage to present day, how has this impacted your life and how has it impacted relationships that you form with others, particularly romantic partners? Yeah. So the thing about any intention is that it's only as good as it is fresh in our minds. Intentions are only as good as they are fresh in our minds. So as you can imagine, when I'm thinking about self-marriage and I still wear my ring, I've got like a diamond, little diamond ring um, that I wear always uh, from that day, I make really different decisions. And when I don't choose to think about it and I just wake up wearing my ring and I don't bring my intention to self-love, I make very similar decisions to before when I, you know, before I married myself. And I just want to normalize that there is no silver bullet when it comes to self-love or really to any other change that we want to make in life. It's all about cultivating the habits and the opportunities and the rituals for the rituals. So after my self-marriage, I was really struck by how things that were very simple took on new meaning. Like I'd never realized how gruff I was when I washed my face. Mm. And I started touching my face like you would like a baby's face. Like I was so much more gentle with myself and my skin and my body. And also your tolerance for saying yes to things that don't work for you. I'll speak for myself. My tolerance went way down. And I also like to think like I still made mistakes, but I I do like to think that I got out of them more quickly. Like when I made a negative decision, I would address it more quickly and get back into a self-loving place. So when it comes to romantic partnerships, ironically, I dated, you know, we've all dated that guy that really throws us for a loop. I met him after I married myself. Um, Not, not a, and it was, it was interesting, uh, Lee, because he, I, I, 
narcissism and sociopath, like those words get thrown around a lot, but he was definitely on the spectrum somewhere in those worlds. I have my suspicions, but, um, you know, at first it worked really well because he did this technique that I've read about since called love bombing. And I was like, this person treats me how I, I love treating myself. And then when that turned, I saw it really quickly. I immediately reached out for support from people that loved me and everything like, and it was over very quickly and it took a lot of time to process, but I processed it with so much self-love and so much space to honor self, to mourn, to look at what had happened in a loving way and make changes. And now I, I don't want to jinx it, but I think I'm in the best relationship of my life. Um, and it wasn't just because of the self-marriage, but I think it is because of all of the work I've done on myself, including the self-marriage. I really appreciate that. And something that stands out to me in what you said is not that you didn't attract a guy who had tendencies that felt very concerning, but that the way you worked through it was with a lot of intentionality, a lot of self-love. I think there are a lot of women that try to avoid finding themselves in a position wherein they'd have to actually really show up for themselves. Yeah. And so we, we try and look for the red flags and suss this out and, you know, all of these things. And sometimes we still just end up finding ourselves connected to someone who ultimately is not a good long-term fit. But the way that we navigate through that speaks volumes about where we are in relation to ourselves. And it sounds like you really handled that with a lot of integrity and care. You were able to process it. You reached out and asked for help and you moved through it, which really speaks to fortitude and your ability to um, create resilience. Yeah. It's not that you're not going to face hard things, but the way you show up to the hard things in life is with a lot of intentionality. That's exactly right. No matter how much you love yourself, no matter how many, you know, no matter how much work you do on yourself, you're always going to make mistakes. And it's about what attitude you bring to yourself when you realize you've made that mistake, right? And how much love you can give yourself because we all do it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, I think that's what creates the the deepest levels of safety. For me, that's a journey that I've been navigating very intently in these last few years. And mm. it's it's not only been the deep levels of nurturance and care and unwavering presence, but also the ability to hold myself in a space of truth. And when I say truth, I mean not creating stories or narratives about myself, about unworthiness, undeservingness, or whatever the narrative is. Yeah. But also being willing to see where I'm acting out of integrity and being able to hold that version of me with a lot of love and care. Yes. And saying, okay, how do, how do we want to show up now? Now that we've got the information, what's next? Like, yeah, pull our sleeves up and and choose in alignment with what we desire. And so I, I appreciate all these aspects that you're adding about, like the richness of what self love can actually mean for someone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How do we create? Ultimately, it's about creating psychological safety for ourselves, right? Like we create it for others by showing them positive regard, loving them, supporting them even through the tough times. So let's like create that sense of safety, groundedness. Oh, I can let my hair down, right? Like with ourselves. Yes. I think that's a great way to put it. Like I can let my hair down and I feel like I've really got my own back. 
no yeah, matter what. Exactly. Exactly. And then we don't, you know, we don't have to check over our shoulder for when the shoe's going to drop or when the other shoe is going to drop, metaphorically speaking, because we're like, hey, you know what? If it does, I'm good. Yeah. I got myself. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. Okay. So you mentioned your book a few times. Yeah. Just so everyone listening can be aware, what are the two books that you've written and what are the plans for the third? And when can we expect that? Yeah. Self-Marriage, A Ritual for Radical Self-Love is a book that I launched with no fanfare. It is a book that I worked on for a couple of years, wanted to release, wanted to make it free. And I just put it out there, did not market it at all. So if you would like to read it for free, it is a lovely little book. It's on Amazon. Um, It's under my full name, Megan Taylor Morrison. Uh, And you're welcome to check it out. Really recommend it. It's, it's, It's just fun. It's cool. It's fun. Um, The first book that I wrote has nothing, well, it has a little bit to do with personal development. Uh, It's a book of stories of people that traveled around the world to dance and had super epic experiences. And I'm not just talking Americans going places. I'm talking a guy from, you know, Nigeria going to Hungary, a woman from Sweden going to Mozambique, a Canadian going to Angola. You know, like there's all sorts of different different stories here. A woman from Hungary going to Indonesia. And these stories are wildly epic, so fun. And you learn so much about what a country is like through through the arts. And that book has like won some awards and uh, became an Amazon bestseller. It was really cool. So it's fun. And then the, the last book, it's actually finished. <laughs> and it's been finished for like the last three years. And I keep meaning to like launch it in a loving way, but because I haven't been able to give it my intention, I have not. It's called Life Beyond Should. And it's about making decisions that really align with your values and creating a life that's perfectly tailored to you. Um, it's an awesome book, right? Interview some wild people, including a, a monk that lived in a cave for 20 years, like this amazing woman that is a huge, you know, thought leader and amazing spiritual spiritual lady. So anyways, keep, I, stay tuned, I guess. And it, it'll launch when it's supposed to launch. <laughs> I love it. And what's yeah. the second book called? The one with people's dancing world uh, travels. It's called Dance Adventures, True Stories About Dancing Abroad. I love it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So fun. <laughs> Is there anything else that feels present for you right now that you would love to share with anyone who's listening? Yeah. I was watching the self-marriage episode on Dr. Phil and a a friend and client of mine was interviewed on that episode. And she said something like, it's just so cool to meet people who've married themselves. They're the coolest people. It's the coolest community. And I think that's true. And so if you ever feel a desire to marry yourself in any way, big or small, some people just do it by themselves on a beach. Some people do it and have gone you know, one of the women I interviewed in the book had a solo wedding in Santorini. Like she was like, yeah. it, it was so cool. So no matter how you choose to do it, know that if you were to ever reach out to any one of us and say, I want to do it, I feel alone or I'm, I feel uncertain. Like we'd be so happy to talk to you about it. And it's just a great, you know, a great group of women that are out there all across the planet that wish for everyone to feel a greater sense of self-love, self-compassion and self-worth because we all deserve it. And the world is a much better place when we're all connected to that. Cheers. 
Cheers, cheers, cheers. And for anyone who wants to connect with you on this or anything else, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, my website's great. It's megantaylormorrison.com. That's also my Instagram handle. Um, And I'd love to chat with any of you. Thanks for listening in. I love it. Beautiful. And that's Megan, M-E-G-A-N. There is no H in there. No H. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Meg, for joining us today. This has been truly delightful. I was feeling uh, a a downshift in my energy this afternoon, and I am feeling so delighted and uplifted for this conversation. Yay. I can't wait to see you in person. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. If there was anything in this episode that really, really landed with you, please reach out to Meg on Instagram. If something impacted you and you post it, please tag both of us. And if you know that there is another woman that would really, really benefit from hearing this episode, please send it to her. This is how we spread the love and good vibes across the globe. I am wishing you all so much love and good vibes, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that www.leenoto.com. Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.